Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Gains for Girls podcast. Today we're having on Kim Jones, who is an incredible athlete herself. Um, she's an all-American tennis player at Stanford, but she's coming from this with a different perspective. The perspective of a parent, of a mother. Um, she has a daughter who swam at Yale, uh, who competed against Thomas. She has a son who swam at Yale, uh, who now has a woman in his locker room, um, which shows you how uncommon this really is. Um, I couldn't be more excited to have her on. She does great work now. She has started a new organization called ICONS, which is the International Council on Women's Sports, where she's doing everything in her power to combat this at every level, state level, federal level, within the specific sport governing bodies. Um, really amazing things. And so check out the interview with Kim Jones. So Kim, we have been connected for, I can't believe it's been like a year and a half now, probably more than, um, so talk about how we got connected, because I remember when I first heard of you, uh, of course, we knew there were a lot of kind of ticked off parents behind the scenes at this NCAA championships. Um, but talk about what that looked like from your perspective and really how you and I got connected. Sure. So, yeah, Riley, it's been good to know you this long. <laughs> I'm glad we've become friends. Um, I think... I had my oldest daughter competing against Thomas <clears throat> for the entirety of the Ivy League season. And they swam the same events at dual meets, and then they swam the same events at the Ivy League championship. And um, I started trying to reach out to anyone that I knew that I thought could make a difference. I spoke with parents. We were trying to figure out how we could make an impression when everything um kind of blew up in our faces and we realized this is the what we were going to be faced with for the duration of the year. I started speaking to uh, folks like Kara Dansky and Nancy Hogshead and um, any political leaders I could get in touch with and then come NCAAs and I heard about you through a mutual friend and you were going to be brave enough to talk on air and voice your Frustration, not just frustration, but absolute rage at the NCAA. Um, we got in touch over the phone, and I think it's been a, a great, we've been a great person and support ever since. I'm so proud of everything that you've been doing. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. Um, so you had a daughter who competed against Thomas, um, which I, of course, know your daughter, and she's amazing. And she herself is so tall, but even still, looking at Thomas, who is six foot four versus a six foot, your daughter's six foot, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. But girl, who's of course an incredibly tall girl, it still made your daughter look like a dwarf. I know it was crazy. And the, the, just seeing them up on the blocks next to each other, I mean, it was infuriating to watch. And I know you've spoken so eloquently about how much time and energy goes into 
um, having a passion for sports, chasing a dream and reaching an elite level. You just have to turn your life over to it. And even those that don't reach the pinnacle of success really dedicate <laughs> decades of their lives to just being the best they can be. So to see all of that hard work and effort just turned into a mockery of, um, you know, of female athleticism was, it was devastating. I, the first time I watched my daughter race, uh, Thomas was at the Penn Dartmouth tri meet and, um, knew it was coming down the pipe for a while. There was plenty of discussion about would the rules change? Would they finally wake up to the insanity that was going on in front of our eyes? There had already been complaints um, about, you know, the girls on the Penn team crying. I had been in touch with parents from a few other schools, but then having to go witness it in person was surreal. And I mean, I I kept myself together while I was watching it, but the second I left the uh, stands, I just broke down in tears. The only reason I went was because um, my daughter wasn't sure she could face it without support from the bleachers, and she didn't know what she could do on the pool deck because the schools had been censoring them and, um, you know, threatening them with retaliation. So it just it was devastating to watch. So it's how you felt, kind of the general consensus, or at least you know you can you can get a read from other parents in the pool deck. So even maybe if you didn't have those conversations with other parents, is that kind of the consensus that that you gathered from how other parents, other moms, other dads? Oh, yes. I mean, so I, by, before I even ha watched that race, I think a lot of us parents had been on the phone with each other, especially, I mean, and you've talked about this before, you've grown up with these girls and these families. We know each other. Um, we didn't always talk on the phone, but we certainly socialized at swim meets and something you know, the, your closer friends you were in touch with. So we were all all the mothers were on the phone with each other saying, how are you going to help your daughter through this? Like, what are you telling her? Because the girls were and some of the girls, especially after the Ivy League had pulled everyone into those meetings to say, you don't have a voice. You need to be quiet, you know. Your chance to speak up on this has long passed when you signed the dotted line to come to school here. It was, um, some of the girls had gotten so quiet, they wouldn't even talk to their families about it anymore. So it just would run away and just, I can't discuss this. And even my own daughter, when I would try to bring it up with her, like, how are you preparing? Are you okay? Like, what can I do to support you? She would say, I can't discuss this. I can't handle anymore. I'm just trying to survive this. And I don't think people understand how deeply it cuts women to say, um, you need to figure out how to stand up and fight for your rights, along with competing at the highest level, training to the point of exhaustion every day, trying to keep up with your studies, managing your interpersonal relationships. The burden is too great. It was way too much to ask of the girls that were competing. And one of the reasons it's so impressive that you have done what you did is to take on that mantle as a young woman, I think, or just even a young person to recognize abuse when it's happening to you. I mean, it takes a different mindset and a support structure around you to allow someone to do that. I think there's a reason why we see, you know, children who are in abused homes and even adults in abusive relationships it takes them years and sometimes even decades of reflection to realize how awful the situation was that they were going through. 
and I've said this many times to the parents and people who've asked about the situation with my daughter in the Ivy League. It's like, I don't think these girls are going to realize what they were put through and the extent of it for another decade or two. I think it's just going to take that long to process how bad it was. Certainly. And I think, you know, once they start having daughters of their own, like coming from it from your perspective, I think that will shift a lot of things. Um, But you don't just have one swimmer child, uh, multiple. Uh, So my understanding is that this hasn't only just affected your your daughter who swam against Thomas. Um, Would you be willing to touch on how this has kind of impacted far beyond that, really showing how this is far from uncommon? And by this, you mean you don't just mean men and women's sports. You mean the idea of um, just that we are whatever we think we are. Is that what? Yes. yes. Um, so <laughs> just transgender or gender ideology. Um, yes, it, I think we have a huge wake up call that needs to happen in society. There are a lot of people even still, and you and I have spoken about this, or we were just in the dark, just thinking, no big deal. This will never affect me. It's just a few people. And then until you're hit over the head with the two by four of the impacts of denying the reality of sex in the world, you don't understand the implications. Fortunately, now I think there's enough media traction that people are, you know, opening their eyes to the world that we're creating for women, especially, but ultimately men as well. I mean, we can't um, we can't ignore the harm when we t- give our daughters and our young women, our wives, our sisters, uh, the message that they just don't matter and that women that men have priority in all of their spaces. But I likewise had my, so my daughter dealt with the threat of a man in her locker room for that entire year that Thomas was swimming in the Ivy League, and. That was terrorizing. The stories from the young woman that had to experience it, the idea that she would have to disrobe in front of a man or that a man could walk in on her with full rights to the territory um, while she's changing. The lack of dignity and privacy that left someone with, it was scarring. She worried about it for days before going to that first meet and then also again during the Ivy League championships. And um, I think that, and I know that this was felt around the Ivy League because again, I was speaking with parents from Harvard and Cornell, Princeton, everyone was panicked about it. It was really unsettling. And some of the girls had gone so far as to complain to their university leadership, and they had been shut down at every turn, not just at Penn, but also at other schools, and been even disciplined, being kicked out of eating clubs just for complaining and voicing their opinions. So the atmosphere was very, I call it North (laughs) Korea-esque. We will control what you say. You will like what's being done to you or else. But then on the flip side, you know, the men on the pool deck or on the swim team, when my daughter was competing, would try to con- congratulate the girls that, you know, you actually got first or you are. So people knew um, the crowd definitely responded enthusiastically when the women would touch the wall versus when Thomas did. So the atmosphere was very much, <clears throat> we all know what's going on. We're just unwilling to stand up and say anything. 
And I think that takes a toll on men and women because it takes a toll on women thinking that they don't have rights. No one's going to back them, even if they do have the courage to complain. It takes a toll on men <laughs> because men believe that their voices don't matter as well. And then the following year, my son had a woman in his locker room on our same team. Now, the young woman that was um, deciding that she wanted to compete on the men's team and that she believed she was a man is a friend of our families or was a friend of our families. And I love their family. They're wonderful. She's a great girl. Um, just the problem comes when we insist that someone has their way for what they want and it doesn't matter how uncomfortable anyone else is. So I can compare and contrast the two experiences of having a man threatened to be in my daughter's locker room and a woman in my son's locker room. And the terror that the women experience is not, um, it's not similar to what the women go through, uh, what the men go through. What the men go through is discomfort. They're annoyed. They're, ugh, this is, why is she here? But they are not, um, so it, remo it removes privacy and dignity from the men. It removes the atmosphere that they're comfortable in, but is not a source of terror. So they're kind of just, oh, this'll be over in a year, so I'm not gonna worry about it. <clears throat> but for the girls, it's scarring in a longer, in a, in a more immediate sense, and I think you can relate to that, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, but I think that is interesting, and I think it's something people need to hear because it really isn't just, as you said, it's not just women who are impacted by this. It is men, too. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's made very evident by you and your family. And and I think it's an important point, too, because, as I said, introducing this is that people think it's uncommon. It's not really happening. Really? Well, you had it happen to two of your children. Well, and then even a third, right? So I have four kids. My youngest is still in high school. There, I think there are just a lot of people out there that believe this. they can avoid this if they just educate their kids well, they teach them to speak up for themselves or they're willing to go, or they can let other people handle this. This isn't impacting their lives. And in the last two years, I realized this is going to hit everyone. If it hasn't hit you already, you're probably not aware, but it has. So um, my daughter with a, having to race a man in her sport, having her um, accomplishments taken, her first place stripped from her, her opportunity to swim in a finals event stripped from her, and then my son with a woman in his locker room. And the I think the prior year of watching all the women silenced also silenced the men. There were plenty of the men that would have said, no, come on, get this woman out of here. But watching people concede their rights, watching people not stand up for themselves, watching the silence of parents and those in authority has a devastating impact on, I think, on society as a whole. We take the backbone out of the next generation. And then my younger daughter, who's now a freshman in college, I did not realize this, and it's probably true in many schools around the country, but she does not have a sex-separated space to shower or to use a restroom in on her campus for the freshman. So 
I'm in the process of getting responses, but the idea that we are sending young women, 18 and 19, 20 years old, off to school where they're supposed to learn to become strong and independent and take care of themselves, you know, find their voice and their passions in the world, but we are stripping them off the bat of privacy and dignity and an ability to take care of their bodies in uh, in a way that they don't have to, you know, so that they're not in the presence of men. How are we going to give them the courage to find their voices in the classroom if we don't even let them say, no, I don't want men in my space while I'm taking care of my physical needs? That's, it's absurd. It's, it's I mean, it's an incredible burden. Hearing my daughter talk about the discussions with the other freshmen on campus, um, the young girls are like, oh, I haven't seen a guy in my bathroom yet. I'm so lucky I have a sink in my room or they don't even have, like they're, they're utilizing every option they can to find a way to keep themselves out of the space of men. And this is on top of managing just being off on their own for the first time trying to get through college it's absurd that we are doing this it is absurd and i i bet you i would bet a lot of money that the majority of parents who have sent their kids both boys and girls off to school as freshmen are unaware of how many situations like this are happening and we need to be looking into it and speaking up about it so do you feel differently about the ivy league now um, because yeah. about you too, you were an all-American tennis player at Stanford. So do you have a different understanding or, or this idea about what it means to have a degree from an Ivy league school now? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm really disappointed. I feel like it's a degree of conformity right now. And I am really disappointed in people who I I I guess the word is to say I have I think there are too many people in the world right now that are like oh I have too much to lose I'm too important to be speaking up on this um I have too much of a position of power to put it at risk this is for someone else to fight and I want to know like when did we become a culture like this I remember when I was being brought up and it was par for the course and well understood that if you saw an injustice, you stepped in and stopped it or did your best to. And then if you were in a job that was asking you to do something unethical, whatever it was, you would rather keep your integrity and stand up and speak up and even leave the job if it was going to cost you your self-worth. How how do we value our silence and compliance so much more than we value our self-respect and our our dignity? It's I we have lost our way, and I think we've become too um, too big in our own heads, for the lack of a better word. Like we're not that important, and if we can't stick up for people and we can't stick up for what's right, what good are we? And I'm really disappointed in. Um, in the Ivy League, as far as not recognizing the harms of what they're doing, I'm incredibly disappointed in their censorship of speech, in their treatment of women. I would ra- I've would told you a hundred times before I would rather have my daughter at any other school. 
Uh, my son is about to finish up his degree at, at Yale as well. And um, we have talked about having our kids leave and we've talked about pulling them multiple times. It's a much more difficult conversation than you think, because uh, I would have, uh, we talked about pulling our daughter during the whole Leah Thomas affair, but it, again, ripping her away from friendships that were keeping her upright as she was facing this, it was a really difficult family conversation. And ultimately we decided that we would just try to weather the storm. I think a lot of us, including yourselves, like your, like the other girls that were swimming, we all thought that eventually the ship would write. And there were people trying to fight for this. The new USA swimming policy came out in mid-season. So I had more faith. <laughs> Even I had a lot of faith in people doing the right thing at the start of that experience. I had less as it went on, but I still thought that we would you know, get to the right answer. And now I'm realizing we will get to the right answer. We will win this, but it's going to take longer and a more vocal effort than I anticipated. This, this ideology is rooted in deeply. So I have my youngest daughter now also at an Ivy League. And um, the reason for that is that we had a year off from injury. We have definitely explored pulling her and putting her in, in other places as well. But it's it's harder than you. I don't know where we go to get away from this. <laughs> I know it. Well, it seems like there's there's nowhere. And as you mentioned, no one is immune to this to this impacting them, which is why it's important. If we all waited until we were directly impacted, or if we waited for this monumental Leah Thomas moment before we stood up to this, it's too late. It's yeah. way too late. And I, I want to go back to. And, and put emphasis on what you were saying. It is not hard to say what you and I have been saying. No. It's not difficult. It does not require any amount of knowledge <laughs> over common sense. Let me reiterate what you and I have been advocating for, which it seems like when you say it out loud, it's the bare minimum. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. Is it really hard to say things regardless of your background regardless of your political affiliation regardless of your sexual orientation um something i find interesting about this topic is there's a lot of people within the lgb community especially who who recognize this for what it is and how this really even sets them back so will you speak to how it's not hard to say yeah. what we're saying no i i mean i've been saying from the very beginning that it just there could mean you you can't have any shame in standing up for the equal and fair treatment of women. <laughs> if you if you're embarrassed to stand up for women's rights and for women to be respected on um, in a society you're on, I mean, you're just asking for a, a detriment. You're, there is no successful civilization that is able to stand on that ground. We don't look kindly back on any culture that degrades, dege you know, and treats their women poorly or unjustly. It's not, this is not a difficult thing, as you said, for us to do. It is, it should be so easy to stand up for our daughters and our sisters and our wives and not any female member of society. We should feel compelled to do the right thing. And it's, it's not the right thing to ask a woman to be a, a tool of affirmation or to um, give up her hard work or to 
be used as a, an individual to make a man feel better. It's This is not an acceptable use of women in our culture. It's not an acceptable view. And it should be really self-evident. Like you said, you I mean, there's tons of science out there. There's tons of literature. There's amazing thinkers and writers who've now delved into this subject. So there's plenty of information with great arguments and discussion about the impacts to culture and society and women. But it is self-evident that no man, no male-born person, man or boy, can know what life is like to live in a female body and can understand what it means to be a girl or what it means to be a woman. That is self-evident. We do not need any extra understanding of life. No, it's the reason we exist. Absolutely. So after all of this, um, what I think is so amazing about you is you took action. You haven't just been talking about it. You've been doing something about it. Um, so talk about ICONS and, and what the mission is, what ICON stands for, um, and what you guys have planned moving forward. Sure. That's awesome. Um, so ICONS is the Independent Council on Women's Sports and Basically, by the end of the year of Thomas swimming in at Penn and then at the NCAAs, through that experience, we realized that there just is not a voice for women in sports. There was not a collective voice speaking up on behalf of women in sports. And so what we decided was a network. We needed to form a network of female athletes, both collegiate and professional, and then including their supporters and families to be that voice so that a woman didn't have to stick her neck out by herself singularly, which isn't as effective as an entire organization anyhow. And um, when we realized that the Women's Sports Foundation and the ACLU, the National Women's Law Center, had all abandoned women in order to support men when it came to men's preferences for women's rights, spaces, and language, it was just time for a group to step forward and say, no, we are here solely to defend our female athletes and their rights in sports. So um, that's what how ICONS was formed. We kicked it off with your great help in Las Vegas uh, a little over a year ago. And it's been a fantastically rapidly growing organization. We've had a lot of great impact, <clears throat> pulled athletes around the world together also to form the ICFS, which is the um, International Consortium on Female Sport. There are women's organizations popping up all over the world right now um, trying to fight for sex-based rights for women and girls. And it's it's really kind of a wonderful thing to see women banding together like this. So our goals in the um, immediate future, we, we are working with several international federations, uh, national governing bodies of sport. We're working with lawyers. Um, we're looking at legal opportunities to sue where we can. Um, we are we are supporting uh, court cases that are already in effect. We are organizing protests um, and visibility camp, you know, uh, just public campaigns for awareness, releasing stories to the news. We are advocating with politicians and educating as many people as we can on the issues that women are facing. So I feel we're really proud of everything we've been able to do in the last year. This is an Olympic year and an election year in the United States. So 
Um, our goals this year are really just to raise awareness and make sure that every single politician makes a public stand to say, hey, we are, I am backing women. I understand that women deserve equal rights and fair treatment in society, or um, they don't. So I think that the focus on, you know, the Olympics and the celebration of the human spirit and, and with the limits of the human body are capable of, uh, uh, this is a unique opportunity. So we'll be pushing hard this year. Amazing. Yeah. Do you think it's moving forward? Do you think it will take litigation? Do you think it will take hitting them where it hurts to make impact? I do. Yes, of course. I think that we're ultimately, we, we've got to have a ruling from the Supreme Court that says sex has to be a recognized characteristic in society. So this whole notion that we can just ignore what sex someone is born is so preposterous. I mean, we can't ignore sex or we cease to exist. Uh, just from a basic reproductive standpoint. But ignoring sex ignores where um, physical and social power come from. It ignores, you know, the the different ways that men and women um, are, I mean, what's the right thing to say, like how we're collaborative. I mean, we have different strengths. And I mean, physical power is definitely in in sports and so forth, that's definitely a male strength that should not in any way reflect poorly. You and I have talked about this a bunch. That should not in any way reflect poorly on what women are capable of and you know how amazing it is to see what women's sports can do, not just for women, but for society, for culture, to uphold women as strong and um, worthy of celebration and to see what they're, it's, we're built so differently. There's just no point in comparing them. We should be excited to see what the potential of both male and female are capable of. You heard it from Kim. The time is now. Uh, we cannot continue to wait because silence is complicity. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can like, subscribe anywhere where you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Outkick.com. Um, make sure you check out the Riley Gaines Center. Um, that www.rileygainscenter.org. Uh, what this center is, is a training program for to, to really equip and provide resources to leaders. Um, I think we can all agree we need some more of those. Thank you guys, and I will see you next week.